It's that time again, fellers, as Doc Journal presents The Free Parking Show. Just a bunch of country boys who have a lot to say about sports. They invite you to call in, text, or just listen in. So pull up a comfy chair and crack open a beer. It's time to talk sports, chicks, and flicks. Hello and welcome to the Free Parking Show here on Jock Journal Radio. Of course, it's Tuesday night, so that means it's the Beers and Cheers show uh, with me and my co-host Amos Conway. Um, as always, love to hear from you, all of you out there, so feel free to give us a, a call at 405-562-5463, or uh, you can go onto Skype, and we're, it's just under Jock Journal. Um, and you can Skype in or text at seven seven nine four eight. Make the first word of your text message uh, the word text, followed by whatever you want to say. It'll be we'll read it uh, live on the air. Uh, before we get in uh, to tonight, um, get like too far into. It. I wanted to. Um, I wanted to, uh, you know, since it's a beers and cheers show, me and Amos are sitting around here drinking beers while we do the show. So I was going to ask you, Amos, what's the beer for of the night? What are you drinking tonight? Uh, I'm actually going to do not your father's root beer. I just tried. Sounds try- good. Had, um, it just seemed really good after the day I've had. And it wasn't terrible. Just a lot of driving. And it just seemed like something relaxing to sit back and sip on and something good. I've had them. They're not that bad. And I'm not a big root beer fan, but they're not not that bad. I'm actually drinking PBR because I'm super cheap tonight. So ain't nothing wrong with that, dude. I've had I, plenty of nights, especially beer pong, man. That Natty Light, PBR Natty Light, the go-to beer for that game. Oh, Keystone Light, I'd throw in that competition as well, right there. There's oh the, yes, very true. The three kings <laughs> of poor drinking. <laughs> <laughs> All right. First, I, I won't even like Bush. Nah, I don't even touch Bush, man. It's like Natty likes close enough to water for me to where Bush just is water. <laughs> first thing we're gonna get into here now that we're done talking about our beers of choice. Um, if anybody hadn't heard yet, Antoine Randall L, you know the former Steeler and Redskin, um, said today, announced today that if he could go back. Uh, his exact words are, if I could go back, I wouldn't. I would play baseball. Um, he said he's having trouble walking down the stairs, often experiences um, lapse in me- or memory lapse. Uh, and he's only 36 years old. He's not an old guy at all by any means. Uh, but that's all from the effects of you know the hits that he took over his football career. I also saw that he said you know if he was playing baseball, he'd still be playing. Um, and you're kind of seeing this like a lot more. Like it's definitely concussions, definitely uh, becoming bigger, bigger deal in the NFL right now. What are your thoughts on this, man? All right. So my thing with concussions and CTE is I understand the NFL is taking the appropriate do fix what they can fix and try to protect the players and do whatever they can. And I know it's cliche to sit around and say, "Well, the player knows what they're getting into." They're okay. And I know it's cliche to say, but it is. It's true. And there's people out there who are advocating for football to basically, like, what do you, like, if someone who out there who thinks that the NFL concussion and 
wants to change the protocol or whatever, I call in and let us know what you think the NFL should do. Because what I, I think they're taking all the steps appropriate with what they can do without making it flag football. Because, I mean, with what they're doing, the money that they're dropping into, with the concussion movie, the player safety, I think the NFL just gave, what, like uh, like 600000 or something to help towards new, like, helmets and stuff. Like, they're doing all they can do. So I'm not for sure what, like, what else do you want them to do? Yeah, I completely agree. You're not going to be able to take, and exactly, you said exactly right here, you're not going to be able to take all the risk of concussion out of the game. These guys get paid a ton of money to play the game. I know that's probably not not the, the best answer in the world, but you know what, if you want to strap a helmet on me, uh, let me go out there and get a concussion and, you know, make what, like, like four hundred thousand dollars for like a couple games like yeah i'll do that like in a heartbeat and i think that you know most people in america especially you know at at a younger age would definitely um be okay with doing that uh you know going out there and making millions of dollars to play a game that most of us grew up playing um you know i know that you played you know i played grew up playing this game that we've we all love uh, and there is the the chance of injury, but they're getting paid millions of dollars um, in order to do this. Uh, but you are seeing it now. You've seen a lot of guys too now that are play like four or five years, uh, just enough to get that second contract and then get out of the NFL and retire. Uh, you're seeing. I think that is going to become more and more popular in the NFL with all of the concussion stuff and all the injuries and like I read a thing one time. The life expectancy for um average american man is 74 years old but for a average american football player it's like 54 years old or 56 years old excuse me so it's almost 20 years difference and it's a gigantic gap yeah and uh, i don't know you look back in you know 50s and you know the 50s 60s when Football's kind of becoming a, a bigger sport at the time. I mean, these guys were basically no pads, leather helmets, and you see some of these guys, and you can bet, I mean, you can tell some that there's a medical in there, but something's different about them than there is to, than, like, decent players. And it, it, it doesn't seem like it affects them or they don't show it. They don't have as much of a sense as a player may have had. And I don't know if that's just due to over time, you know, players are getting bigger, faster, stronger, they hit harder. I don't know if it's a part of that. Just, I don't know. Anton Randall, I mean, he was an average player. But he's uh, coming out and saying, is it true? It makes me, I mean, some people makes you want to cry. If you really had this much problem, or he just looking, uh, there's a big thing when the NFL is paying that, that's when you guys are just looking for payday. Yeah, then you know this. This is, I mean, it's becoming a huge issue now with the, the concussion movie that's out there, um, all the concussion talk, guys. I, I mean, you just you're seeing like these guys, like Bart Starr, can't remember, uh, doesn't remember his playing days, you know, and like Antoine Randall is 36. That's young, having memory lapse issues, having trouble walking downstairs. I mean, that's. I mean, that's awful for that age, but yeah, you did get paid a lot of money to play the game. I do feel for, like, the older generation, you know, the guys that didn't make, like, Bart Starr didn't make a killing playing football. 
Uh, I remember you hear these stories about guys um, who played way back in the day. I think I remember hearing a story about, like, uh, I can't remember the player's name now for the life of me, but he was at work at a steel mill and barely made it to the championship game uh, because the snow was blowing and he had to work that morning because you back then you couldn't just play football. You made like almost next to nothing playing football, so you had to have a real job. So he went and worked at the steel mill all morning and then barely made it in time for the championship game. Those guys I feel for. Uh, and it was much more brutal, and, you know, they don't have the pads. They didn't have the, you know, leather helmets, or the helmets didn't have cushioning or whatever. Um, they didn't have the money or the safety that they have in today's game. So I definitely feel more for those, but I think it's going to be a common thing. It might I think it's going to end up hurting the game a lot, but there's really nothing you can do. Like, I don't know. If anybody's out there that's listening, anybody uh, listening to the show that has think that they have the idea what the NFL should do to make it safer, to make it, or, like, shouldn't they? Well, let's just hear your thoughts on the concussion thing. This has been, we've talked about it before and stuff, but we'd love to hear from you. Uh, so text us in at the 77948, the first word being text. Uh, we'd love to hear from you guys about this. All right, let me let me throw something at you here real quick, because it just popped in my head. And with over especially the last twenty years, football players, and I mean Brett Favre is a good example, and you know he's a great player, and this isn't to put him down or anything. But with the amount of injuries they have and all they take, and there's tentacles, a like a painkiller epidemic basically in the NFL. That some of these guys, when they retire, they're still on the pain medication. And, you know, they seem fine, they seem fine, or they come off. Especially those who, you know, sleep, and then all of a sudden, like, symptoms just hit them like a brick wall at once. It's just like, like, can't handle it. Like, I can understand what that is, you know, on your mind, because you got something that kind of, you know, the next day feels like a freight train shit. Yeah, that's a good point too. You know, it's um, you did see it with uh, with Brett Favre. He had the the pain medication. He had to go to rehab for it and, and get off of it. And you know, you hear guys talk about it. I've heard a few guys, uh, veterans of the NFL, talk about it, and they bring up the fact that uh, that um, they can't or that you just the they just give them to you like candy. Like you're just like, hey, I'm I'm in pain. And they're just like, here, have as many Percocets as you can carry. Like, they just th- throw them at you. And I think the NFL has gotten better about that because of, the like, these stories that have come out and stuff. Um, but, uh, you know, but then you have you, – I think it's still kind of a problem. I still think it's an issue because these guys, you know, just have, like, access to that kind of stuff. And you need – to get your players healthy fast, you know, it's not, the long recovery is not an option, you're losing money um, in that long recovery, so you have to get them back as fast as you can, and, and a lot of the stuff that they endure, and, uh, uh, you know, guys having fingers, you know, there I've known vets, or talked to vets that have fingers that are broken, and they're like completely sideways, basically, they'll never be the same, you know, they'll never work right, or... You know, of course, the concussion stuff, a broken body, not being able to walk, right, not being able to, you know, like, whatever, because of these, like, quick fixes and, and stuff like that to get them back in the, into the game. Uh, and you see now that with, I think the concussion, concussion protocol, I think, will end a lot of it. Um, but I think that they need to look at some of these guys and just, like, 
I don't know. I think you just need to know when it's time to hang it up. And I think that so for some guys, it's a lot shorter than other guys. I mean, completely. I mean, yeah. look, like Earl Campbell's always a great example. He came in and dominated NFL for the first three seasons. You know, he wins three MVPs. He wins Rookie of the Year, takes his team, doing deep playoff runs, um, and then his body just fails. He couldn't run. He couldn't put up with that much. And nobody could. I mean, he was getting hit. You know, you know, if you get hit like fifty times a game, you know, forty times a game, and he's getting like ridiculous amount of carries like that, your body's not gonna be able to stick up with that. Yeah, no, not at all. And I think I will say this for Antoine Randall is players like him, particularly the, like um, almost like the Swiss Army knife guys who can, you know, if you need them to play a bit of defense, they can. They can go out for the you know the option pass or like you know the little halfback toss quarterback pass or end round sweeps even being a receiver because not only are you taking a hits a normal receiver take but you're going to be taking hits as like running backs take and you're going to be taking hits that quarterback takes because of the way that you're being used and I think the NFL with the way that they push towards you know trying to protect defensive uh, defenseless players especially uh, for example let's go to uh, last week in divisional round the Danny Amendola hit on the safety or whatever for the Chiefs on the punt. You know, speculation dirty, not dirty. Watch it over. I have my own opinions as I am a Patriots fan. But to a certain extent, I think the fine should stand. I don't think he should appeal because he, I mean, I know he's trying to do his job on the field and save field position. But had you hit him or a little bit differently, you could have done a lot of permanent damage. Absolutely, and I got you know you see it too when like uh, like high school football and even stuff like I've seen hits nasty hits guys tear ACLs all the time, um, and stuff like that. You know, there's guys that I know that I played with growing up or whatever, and they're my age. You know, they're young guys. They're in their mid twenties, and they have so much scar tissue in their knee that they can't extend it all the way out. You know, they always have to keep their knee a little bit bent because there's so much scar tissue, or they have. You know their joints don't work on their fingers right, or you know it's like I've seen like nasty injuries from it. Luckily, I don't have anything too bad. Although I do like when I was really young, pee wee football. I broke my fingers and my coach taped them up. <clears throat> I broke both of my index fingers, so he taped them to both of my middle fingers um, because he didn't think those were broke, but evidently those were also broken. So now like all of my fingers point away from each other <laughs> instead of being straight, but. It's it's not really that bad. It's not super noticeable, but it is. I mean, it's a brutal sport, and you're never going to be able to, wait to uh, find a way to fix it. Um, you know, I mean, I at least not me. It's going to take a smarter man than me, uh, you know, because you, you need the physicality in the game. It's part of the game. Uh, but you don't want these guys, you know, you don't want these guys to give up their the end of their lives. I mean, a lot of these guys have, miserable ends to their life because of um, the impact that you know the game has on them uh, but it would be we're gonna move on to the NBA here but we'd still love to hear from you anybody uh, wants to text into the show uh, with their opinions on what we were talking about let's move in into NBA action before we start real quick I'll do the rundown of the games that are on right now um, right now with 19 seconds left um, 19 seconds left in the third. It looks like uh, Milwaukee is beating the Heat 75-57. to 57. That one actually just went into the end of the third. 
Uh, so they have a good lead. The Bucks do over the Heat. Halftime right now, the Timberwolves are leading uh, New Orleans 60-51 to with eight, about eight minutes left in the first. OKC and Denver just started, and that's 10-10 right now. And about eight minutes left in the first. Uh, the Pacers and the Suns just taken off, and it is 10-5. The Pacers have the uh, the lead. Going into the NBA, the first thing I wanted to talk to you about was, I don't know if you saw it or not, but Kimball Walker's night on Monday night, um, the Charlotte Hornets taking on the Utah Jazz, and he puts up a, a Hornets record 52 points. Uh, that game went into double overtime, and the Jazz... Um, or the Jazz end up losing 24 to 100, or 125, 119, excuse me. Uh, unbelievably big game for Walker. I've, I liked watching this kid in college, but he's starting to seem like he's really starting to come into his own in the NBA, and, and he's fierce. Uh, you know, 52 points is no joke in a basketball game. Yeah, no, I agree, and I'm the same way with you. I watched him in college, especially during the tournaments. And he was always a very good player, and it was one of the things that this guy was going to be very, very good when he went to the pros. And I think he is finally starting to come into his own, starting to kind of, you know, being a young guy in the NBA, I, I would imagine it's extremely hard because there's so many great players around you. And, like, now, I, if not great, at least good, really good. And I think he's a guy who has the potential to go as far as he'll let himself go. I mean, dropping 52 points, no matter who you're against, that's an impressive outing. And I think he's, you know, someone who, if how he finishes season and next season could be right up there in the top five at his position. And I think he easily could be. He is a, I mean, in college, he was just everywhere, making plays all the time. You couldn't stop him driving to the post. He just, he would get around to you. He'd make a move. Yeah, Kimball Walker impresses me, and I think he'll just continue to get better. Absolutely, and he does. He's got one of those guys that has, you know, uh, it's a hundred different moves. He's, he's a hard guy to guard because it's not like he goes in and does the same. Like, he'll Euro step in, and he has a decent jump shot, and uh, his ability to move the ball around and really has uh, a ton of different ways to get to the hoop. Uh, very hard guy to cover. You can see, you know, when he he lines up and they they run those you know clear out and it's the one on one walker on whoever's defending him and you can you kind of see the fear because you don't know which way he's gonna go he dribbles you know just as good with his left as he does his right and you know, he moves the ball very well very fluid uh, very hard guy to to block to be able to stop um, we actually do have our first texter of the night here. Um, from Ohio and says as a mother I don't know how I feel about my sons playing football because of the possibility of like lifelong damage uh, going back into this I mean that's a good point too you hear a lot of people love the topic you hear a lot of people say it now like uh, I think it was um, LeBron James said that he won't let his kids play football because it's too rough it's too uh, dirty it's, it's hard hitting it's too you know the injuries are too severe there was a kid locally in the county that I live in uh, nine years old that ended up dying on the field uh, so, you know crazy stuff like that see okay I was actually I was listening to the ESPN app it's been oh man it's probably been a month and I want to say it was myth but I'm not real for sure but he was talking about this in particular peewee football and you know ages 
six, seven, eight, nine, to where his argument was. Actually, I didn't hear about the nine-year-old. That's extremely tragic. So this point is going to come a little differently. But he's talking that when they're six, seven, you know, that these kids, it's he would absolutely let if he had a hundred sons, he'd let them play football at that age because they're not going fast enough to do any damage. They're not, you know, they're not strong enough to doing any damage. Well, that too, the the nine-year-old that I'm talking about too had a pre-existing condition that they didn't know about. Um, that if they knew about, of course, he wouldn't be playing football or they'd be getting the medical attention that he needs so he would be able to play uh, healthily. But I believe, if I'm not mistaken, it was a heart condition, um, but they said it was um, not only was it the physical activity uh, that set it off. Like he would, They said it, he wouldn't have died if he was just running or if he was playing basketball or if he was playing baseball. It was not only the moving but the physicality and the jarring, uh, the movement. Uh, I guess also had a big effect on it, and yeah, nine years old, and I mean, ended up dying before they could even get him to the hospital. Very tragic and stuff. And I under, I completely understand that mindset, um, but you bring up a great point. Like they're not moving fast enough, they're not big enough, they're not strong enough to really do damage. Uh, you're, I mean, you played pee wee football. I'm sure uh, you you're running out there. You, you half know what you're doing. You <laughs> know the coaches are trying to get kids a position. I remember one time. Uh, when we were playing BWE football, the their safety, there was like a long time out, and we like lined up, and we were waiting and waiting and waiting, and their safety on their team set down, and I just like, <laughs> we ran like a couple pass plays, you know, it was like BWE football, so I ran this like slant route and like just ran right by him because he was like, he was set down, and he was like picking up piece, blades of grass and tearing them. And like you pick like a new plane aggressor, and he's just setting down. Like you don't know what you're doing. You're just out there bumping into each other. Uh, you know, you just want to hit, and that's the you know you just want to hit the physicality of it's fun, but you don't really know what you're doing, and you're not moving enough fast enough. You're not big enough to really do big damage. Yeah, especially with the nine year old who passed away. I understand the doc or the medical point of view that if he had he not been playing football, but I think also. You know, obviously with Pee Wee, you want your, with whatever level of football, you have to be wearing pads. Part of me makes me wonder that, you know, if, you know, wearing the pads, even if they're light and wearing all the extra stuff, man, that's, that's hard for, especially I would imagine with someone for a heart condition, because I've had times, you know, out just like working in, you know, t-shirt or shorts, because I grew up on a farm, so did a lot of hay bailing. I remember getting so hot and I, I would have fluids, but I remember getting so hot, man, I felt like I was just going to drop from just like just the heat and the old, just overwhelming no absolutely and I, I grew up like on a farm too and i remember those and and hell week of football you know that first week when it's just all about conditioning and getting in better shape and you're out there in those pads and it's like you know uh mid-august just like the dog days of summer it's just super hot and i come from like a real temperate area you know uh living in maryland it really doesn't get that hot over that bad compared to you know, a lot of the southern states. Uh, but I remember that week was always just miserable. You always just sweating unbelievably hot. You're sweating so much. You're running two a day, so you're going in the morning and the afternoon. Um, I mean, it is, but yeah, at the Pee Wee football level, it's not that, I, I don't think it's that scary, that huge of a risk. But I definitely as you get older, I mean, like a 16, 17-year-old person, they're basically an adult. A 16, 17-year-old, like average football players, are have enough strength and power to do a lot of damage. Uh, 
But let's get back into the basketball here. One thing I wanted to bring up, um, tomorrow night, actually, at 8 o'clock, we'll see Golden State travel to Chicago uh, to take on the Bulls. Um, a lot of people are saying that this is going to be a, a game that Golden State might slip up, might lose. Amos, right now you're picking the game. You're telling everybody out there. Their their bookies are on their phone. They're waiting for the information. They want to know what Amos thinks. Do you, you take Chicago at home, or is this another game that Golden State's going to cruise? I, I think it's another game Golden State cruises. They just did it, what, last night or the night before at Cleveland? Mm-hmm. And, yep. I mean, I don't see anything stopping these guys. And I'm actually glad you brought up Golden State. Because, like, here's my thing is I remember when their first loss, everybody, it was a huge deal. Every, you know, there was doubt, you know, how good were they really? Was the run over? Were they going to lose a ton in a row? And now I think they, they've still only won, lost, what, like three, maybe four? But at this point, nobody's, like, I think the last time they lost was that I heard was against the Nuggets and didn't really hear much about it. Yeah, it was a headline on ESPN, but that's about it. My question for you and our listeners out there is how many losses is Golden State – all right. How many losses will Golden State need for it to be a legitimate concern or how many wins do they have to get for the losses to not even matter? I think that – I don't know because now that – like I'm looking at the standings right now and believe it or not, the Spurs are right on their heels still. Uh, You know, so they're not that far ahead – of the Spurs. Then after the Spurs is you know eight games between second and third place. Uh, but right now, you know Golden State is thirty eight and four. Uh, San Antonio Spurs are thirty six and six. So I mean they're two games back. They're right on their heels. Um, so I think that it's. I don't see this team losing a lot. But if they start losing um, a lot in a row. If you start seeing them, and if you start seeing them drop home games, because they're still 19 and 0 at home, if you start seeing them drop home games, uh, and sp- like you know, because you're going to win lose games. That's I mean it's the NBA. Those long um, away, you get the seven game um, roads uh, streaks. You got your three game, four game. Uh, I mean away streaks. Excuse me where you're constantly on the road, you're going to drop those games. That's going to happen. That's how it works. You know, you just, you're traveling too much. It's too much stress on this team. It's too much movement. You're not getting good night's sleep, whatever. It's, it, they're totally, those games are hard to win. Um, but if you see them start stringing together losses, I think that they might be in trouble. And another thing that I want to point out is, every, you know, with, I just brought up the Spurs only being two games back right now in the Warriors is, that Spurs team is not getting a lot of attention because of all the attention that Golden State's gotten for how well that they've done. But that San Antonio Spurs team is just as good. I think that they're like just as good as this Golden State team. Um, and I think that they are really be able to keep up with them. Uh, San Antonio right now is also undefeated at home. They're 24-0 at home. Um, they play really great basketball. Their differential's better than the Warriors is, uh, you know that they they play much better defense. They're not as good on offense, but they're only allowing eighty nine point six games right now of, uh, to opponents, which, if I'm not mistaken, is the best in basketball. By uh, it is the best in basketball by a long shot. Like so, I mean that that Spurs team is no joke. They're gonna be really hard to stop. 
Yeah, no, I, I agree. And that's, I think that's another really, really good question out there is if the Western finals, if it's Golden State and San Antonio, which it probably will be, is who's going to take it? Because I think a lot of people have Golden State would just, you know, because of their ability to shoot the three. But San Antonio, I mean, they got a lot of good playmakers. Kawhi Leonard, I mean, Tim Duncan, he's getting up there, but he's still no joke. That man's still a very good basketball player. And it makes me wonder if maybe the Warriors have like a mental edge a little bit over Popovich, which may be overstated a lot. But he's, you know, come out and said how much he, he really doesn't like the three ball. And I I think Golden State would has the ability to maybe get under his skin a little bit with it if it starts to frustrate him. And I think that all them players on the Spurs are good. But if the coach starts getting frustrated, the players start getting frustrated. And where does it go from there? Will they be able to, like stay mentally ready for the entire game or level, I guess would be the correct term. Yeah. I mean, that's a really good point. And you know, the age I think is definitely a factor um, because a lot of the stars in the San Antonio Spurs are older. Uh, you know, you, you mentioned like Ginobili, Duncan, um, uh, Parker, all older guys. So you're going to have, that's going to be a factor if they can stay healthy down the stretch. And then, uh, the other thing's tempo, man. You, they have all those big guys that are good in San Antonio. You slow the game down, and if they are able to control the tempo against uh, Golden State in the playoffs, then they're going to win those games. If they slow them down, uh, make them play half-court offense, I think that their defense is definitely good enough to be competitive. And I think that that's going to be something to watch out is the tempo of, of when they uh, meet in the playoffs. Yeah, no, I agree, and I honestly, like, whoever's in the finals, because I'm sure it will be either San Antonio or Golden State, you know, be presenting their con- or their conference, I guess, and, like, will the finals be better than the Western Conference finals, you know? like That's it, a good question, because right now, I mean, if you look at just the standings alone, they're number one and two in the entire NBA. Uh, they're the only two teams that have less than uh, ten losses in the entire NBA, and I think I, th- I mean I think if I was doing power rankings, I would put them at one and two. Uh, so that brings up a really good question, especially too if we see what happened last year with the Cavaliers, because I think it would have been a really, really competitive, really good series if Kevin Love and Kyrie Irving were healthy. But of course, loses both. All the pressures on. Uh, you know, LeBron James to basically do it by himself. And he is a great player. I still think he's the best player in the NBA. Um, but, I mean, you can't do it by yourself. Not against a team that's that good. Uh, there's no question. You might beat, you know, you can beat L.A. by yourself right now, the the Lakers, or you could beat uh, the Sixers right now by yourself if, you, if you're a really elite player. But you're not beating Golden State by yourself. So it's going to be another thing to look out for, too, is if, you know, because Kyrie Irving's starting to kind of look like Derrick Rose 2.0. He's starting to get a lot of injuries behind him. A uh, really good player, but he's spending a lot of time on the bench. Uh, and then Kevin Love, if they can stay healthy, I think that that team is really, really competitive. But I still think the two best teams in the NBA are in the West. I think it would be hard to argue that it's not that way. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree. And I, I think – you know, you, you talk about these great players and how Golden State probably has, you know, they have Steph and Clay, Iguodala, Harrison Barnes, 
And it, you look at it, and it's so funny because I, I don't watch a lot of NBA. I do watch the finals. And to me, it's like just the progression of games, especially football, basketball, baseball, your three major North American sports to where, especially in uh, basketball, where six or seven years ago, if you had one really, really great player on your team and role players, you'd win an NBA championship, no question. Now you have to have three really good players. (laughs) Yeah, you have to have three stars. All right, we're going to talk a little bit more basketball after the break here, and then we're going to head into some hockey talk and talk about some other things. But uh, we have to head into a commercial break, so we'll be right back. Well, the boys are talking, and the show is really moving along. But we need to take a break before a fight breaks out. People end up in the hospital. Stay tuned, and we'll be right back now, you hear? <laughs> that boy's good. Mm-hmm, good and terrible. Donate your car today. 1877 cars for kids. K-A-R-S cars for kids. 1877-CARS-FOR-KIDS. Donate your car today. Also on the web at carsforkids.com. That's cars with a K. We're a recognized 501c3 charity organization, so you'll receive a maximum tax deduction. What's more, you'll receive a free vacation voucher of three days and two nights. 1877 cars for kids. K-A-R-S cars for kids. 1877 cars for kids. Donate your car today. Are you looking for the web's best sports news? Visit jockjournal.com. Sports media has lost its touch. It seems that journalists are scared to report what they see for fear of losing access to the teams they cover. At jockjournal.com, you get inside info on the entire NFL community without all the politics or fears other writers have. That's jockjournal.com. When you need the NFL sports news, information, opinions, fantasy, football, or discussions, there's only one place to to go and it's jockjournal.com okay the boys have settled down one has a beard in and the other has a steak on his eye well, why don't you give them a call and tell them what you think all right you guys are listening to the free parking show here on jock journal radio of course me and amos here talking everything uh you know basketball uh Hockey, all over the world of sports. Uh, you know, talking about football, everything. Uh, but we're back. Going to talk a little bit more NBA action before we actually we're going to head into some a little bit of college basketball action before we head um, into the hockey world of hockey. Uh, but one thing I wanted to say real quick about this. Well, I'm looking at the Eastern Conference here. You got the Cavaliers, Raptors, Bulls, Hawks, Heat, Pacers, Pistons, Celtics. That's your top eight right now. That's your top eight. Only seven and a half games between first and eighth place. Um, in fact, there's only uh, 12 games between the Milwaukee Bucks, who are setting at like 12th right now. What is that like? 13th right now. Um, you know, 
third from last. There's only 12 games between them and the Cavaliers, and still a lot of basketball left, so we definitely don't know what's going to happen. A really tight race that's going to come down in the East. The three first or the first four teams out, first five teams, we'll do first five teams out, Magic, Knicks, Wizards, Hornets, Bucks. Out of those teams, is there any team that you feel confident is going to make, it has it enough to, that they're going to make uh, the playoffs out of those five teams? I, I watched the Celtics play a, a few times. I've seen Knicks highlights, but I, I think the Celtics, because I, I like Brad Stevens. I think that team has enough talent to be able to make a run, a push, because they gave Golden State everything they could handle. And I, I, if I had to pick one of those, I, I would pick the Celtics. I think they're the, the I, I, they would be the team I would pick to make a push. That's I think that the Celtics are. I mean, they've been playing a lot better. I really like the talent that that Bucks team has. I, I just they're not there yet. I think they need more time to mature. I'm a Wizards fan. I don't know if anybody knew that or not. If I've said it on the show, I'm a Washington Wizards fan. Um, but you just watch. It's it's hard. You just watch John Wall play magnificent night uh, after night. Why after you gotta say John Wall, dude? Now I just got that song stuck in my head. Do the John Wall. <laughs> I'm over here flexing right now. Right. But you just you watch him play phenomenally every night, and then the rest of the team like might as well be on the bench, and then we lose. Yeah. Um, but it, it's hard to see. But I really like that Porzingis kid. Man, he's good. I like watching him play. I like that he kind of stuck it in like, all the fans' faces. Like, they all like, booed when he was drafted. And now, you know, they're all out there in their Porzingis jerseys and, and talking about how, like, oh, no, but we really liked him. Like, <laughs> you know. I think that's a, a big problem with, like, the NBA draft, too, is I think you have a lot of diehard, dedicated NBA fans out there who – watch it and they watch college basketball they don't watch like european league and stuff so when you draft guys like portazingas it's the i mean it's literally i mean they're foreign to them and the hero basketball like some of these diehard fans have never seen him play and never have heard from him so i think that causes a rip absolutely i understand that too um we're gonna move on here to college basketball real quick uh, cover some of the the games here. Um, we actually do have a text message real quick that we're going to cover. Uh, but we're going to do just a real quick on um, the college basketball, and then we're going to head into uh, some hockey talk. But we do have from Las Vegas, Nevada, what do you make of the Broncos talking trash and quotes about hitting Gronk at the knees? Seems a bit dirty. Do you think the refs will not tolerate and dirty play and eject players on Sunday? If the players do not cool off, um, thanks to the text uh, from Las Vegas. We'll talk about this real quick. Uh, I saw, I think everybody saw um, the way that the refs handled the Cincinnati Pittsburgh game uh, earlier in this playoffs. So, like, I wouldn't be surprised to see, you know, some shanking, uh, maybe a gun pulled. I mean, the, the refs have, like, <laughs> no control over the players whatsoever. Uh, it's a joke the way that the NFL has been handling this. Uh, so no, I think that you are going to see. Yeah, they have been very talkative. I think you're going to see dirty play. I, you know, I think that a lot of players are going to, or a lot of these people are going to end up um, getting in some extracurricular activities. I mean, we've seen it already from Hakeem Talib uh, pulling the old Bobby Boucher and plucking a dude's eyes out <laughs> earlier this game, season. So I think you're going to. That's something that you're going to have to watch out for in this game. Um, I definitely think the NFL should 
take a step up here and try to get control of the game, throw players out of the game if necessary. Um, because what we saw in that game, that Pittsburgh-Cincinnati game, um, and the wild card was disgusting. Yeah, I agree. But I'm actually going to I, – I, <clears throat> I think it's a bunch of talk. I, You know, TJ Ward saying that, I think it's more of an intimidation game. It's something to get in Gronk's head. So when Brady throws that ball to Gronk, Gronk's thinking, you know, hope I think in their mentality it'll put in his head that somebody is there at his knees and maybe he'll drop a pass and won't get those yards after catch. I, I think Peyton Manning – because I would say Gary Kubiak, but we all know he's just basically a figurehead there. I think that he will have that team enough under control to where they'll keep it, you know, somewhat professional out there on the field. And, I mean, the Patriots, they're probably, I mean, they're a team that seems to always be pretty well disciplined, and so are the Broncos. And I don't know, I just don't see it happening. I think it's going to be, I think you might see a few dirty hits, but I think it's going to be a clean game with a bunch of trash talking. All right, we're going to move on here to college basketball. Had a lot of action, so I'm going to try to cover it through real quick, the top 25. Earlier today, we had number 25, Indiana, beat Illinois 103-69, to and, I mean, just destroy them. Um, number three, Kansas, loses another game. They're on a skid here. They got destroyed, um, too, by Oklahoma State, 86-67. to um, they were number one in the league, or number one in the nation, I should say, uh, before West Virginia beat them, and now losing another game here. Um, number 24, South Carolina had to go into overtime to beat Old Miss, but they do do it, 77-74. to Providence ends up, number 16, Providence beats number 18, Butler, 71-68. to And then we have the games going on right now, which is number 8, SMU taking on Houston and losing right now, 32 to 25. Unranked LSU keeping it tight with number 10 Texas A&M, 38 to 32. That one's a few minutes left in the first. At halftime right now, Georgetown beating number five Xavier, 39 to 33. Um, at the almost at the end of this game, two minutes left. Um, unranked Clemson trying to knock off. Number 13, uh, UVA is at 53 right now. UVA's got the lead, and a tight one. That one's on ESPN3. And another one with about five minutes left, um, Northwestern also trying to knock off number 7, Maryland, 48-47. to 47. Maryland has the one-point advantage. Uh, so heading into – I wanted to talk um, about the Big 12 uh, in college basketball right now because, in my opinion, this has to be – are, I think, right now, the best conference um, in college hoops. You do have West Virginia setting at 15-2, and two, Baylor setting at 14-3, and three, Oklahoma, who right now is setting at number one team in the nation. They're 15-2, and two, Kansas 15-3. and three. Um, You got four teams right now that are not only like, good, but they are, uh, you know, top, like, elite level um, class of, of talent there. I mean, Right now in the AP Top 25, Baylor's at 13, um, West Virginia's at 6, Kansas at 3, Oklahoma at 1. Um, so I, this is really going to be a tough, tough conference. After that, you still have quality teams in Texas, Iowa State, uh, Texas Tech, Oklahoma State um, are all still pretty decent team. Kansas State, pretty good. Um, and then TCU's having a terrible season. Uh 
but you have a lot of quality teams. I think they're going to end up sending maybe eight teams, at least seven, I think, uh, to March Madness. Very tough. I mean, Amos, this has to be the best uh, the best um, conference in basketball right now. Would you agree? Yeah, I would absolutely agree. And I've been trying to catch up on a little bit of this this week, and they seem to have – more of the quality wins too and i i mean you can't argue when you look at the rankings and you look at the conference i mean they're absolutely the best and i agree if i i mean i don't know if they will send a i would not be shocked if they did i i think the only i think the t- only team that's really impressed me outside of some big teams this year is iowa who has been doing very well and i to me they're a team that they could play that kind of like wichita state kind of uh team and but yeah, I would have to go with the Big Twelve because I mean Duke, North Carolina, they're not impressive. They're losing games that they shouldn't lose. Big Twelve teams are winning games they should win, and when they get beat, I mean it's it's usually pretty close. Yeah, I mean they West Virginia just took on um, Oklahoma, a big matchup. But West Virginia played the number two or number one team in the nation and beat them and then played number two a couple nights later and lost by two points. Uh, That's a tough schedule right there in in two games. It doesn't get any harder than playing the top two games or top two teams in uh, college basketball back-to-back. I'm so excited to watch these teams, the Big 12 Conference, when it gets time to uh, the Big 12 Tournament because, man, yeah, these teams are so good. They've been playing tight. Uh, really good to watch. Some teams I wanted to talk about real quick, just give shout-outs to. I really like the way that South Carolina's played. Um, even though, you know, the SEC is definitely not known for basketball, they're sitting at 16-1. and Very impressed with what they've been able to do. SMU right now is undefeated. And I know that they play, uh, you know, in a weaker conference. Definitely not a power conference. Um but, you know, the only undefeated team left in uh, college basketball, uh, you know, could end up pulling some Cinderella moves when they get later into the bracket. Xavier is 16-1, and having a really good season. And Xavier seems to be, uh, you know, one of those teams that's always in the hunt, always has a very competitive basketball team. Um, so, I, I mean, it's... I, I'm a football fan first. I'm a hockey fan second. And my and I, I do like watching basketball a lot, especially college basketball. Um, but I think there's no question, man, that March Madness is the most exciting event in sports. And I don't care what sport, it, it's unbelievable how much action and the storylines. And I think it, it is the most interesting uh, event in all of sports. Yeah, <clears throat> absolutely. It's definitely up there. I mean, you got what sixty-four teams now? Is that what it is? Yeah. Well, actually, you have like the sixty-eight because you have the four playing games. Yeah. Yeah. And it just—I mean, you have it, and you have it, and you have each round, but it happens so fast and so much, and there's so much going on, and there's so much intrigue that it just—it sparks interest from people who aren't even college fans. People who aren't even college basketball fans go out, they fill out brackets. I mean, yeah, I mean, it's hard to deny that it's not, if not the most exciting thing in sports, so tournament-wise. Right up there with anything else I can think of, because I, it is, it's just exciting. And you, you never know what's going to happen, and I think the best thing about it is you do have Cinderella teams that happen. It's not something like the NFL or the NBA or uh, college football. Where you you know your dominant teams, you you know they're going to dominate if they play a lesser opponent. To where these teams, if 
I don't know, Duke or Kansas play, you know, a lesser team, they have a big shot. It's a 50-50 whether they come out there with the win or not. And, you know, you got all kinds of shot selection going on. You got players who normally don't do threes or hitting threes, players who normally what they do are outside shooters, and then they're going inside post. I mean, it's just, it's a blast to watch. Oh, and the Cinderella, man. As soon as you see a team, I remember when, I think that everybody remembers, and you don't even have to be a fan of the sport, when George Washington going to the Final Four. Uh, you know, you or you see teams like that that, you know, come in and, and can play the upset and, and win. Um, I remember, you know, being living in the Ohio area last year um, when Dayton beat uh, Ohio State in the first round. It was a pretty big upset, and, oh, it, yeah. it, was, and it was cool to see, man, because, you know, it's Dayton, the interstate rival and stuff, and they've, they're, they're not even the little brother, you know. They're like the the twice removed cousin Dayton is, you know, like, <laughs> uh, you know, it's, it's not even like, a, like an afterthought for a school that big as Ohio state and for them to come in and win like that. It was really neat. It's always fun to watch. Um, and everybody, everybody fills out brackets, man. Everybody, like my girlfriend watches like zero college basketball season. Like she will watch none of it absolutely none of it but then as soon as like march menace comes around i start filling out brackets she's like oh let me get one of those <laughs> like oh yeah it's, it's just exciting we're getting running out of time though we're gonna move into hockey real quick here um a lot of exciting hockey news uh to talk about but we're not gonna be able to get to all of it we'll just cover some main things here um I'm trying to pull up the scores right now, but my computer hates me, so that's going to take a second. So I'll get into the standings right now. Um, and I am I'm a Washington Capitals fan, but they are in such a huge lead right now. They have 73 points. The next closest is Chicago, who has 66. Um, and in their own met, in the Metropolitan, Metropolitan Division... Uh, next after them is the Rangers at 54, and they are or 55. The Islanders at 54, so they have a gigantic lead over everybody in front of them. Uh, playing really good. Last 10 games, seven wins, two losses, one overtime loss. Um, and I know that you're not a big hockey guy, uh, Amos, but the overtime wins are worth three points. Overtime losses worth one point. Uh, so even you would rather lose in the overtime than than lose in regular time and get nothing for it. Uh, yeah, and I think <clears throat> I think the big thing with the Capitals too is what you said. Yeah, out of the last ten games, they got two losses and then the overtime loss, but seven wins. I mean, it's hard to deny. And they, I think, I do believe they went on a run earlier in the season too, to where, I mean, at times they do. I mean, looking just looking at ESPN, looking at the scoreboard. A lot of times it's Washington is winning. I mean, just continuously. They're getting the job done. They're finding ways no matter what it takes to do it. I think that's the most impressive thing is they're a team that's hot. And I know in hockey it's kind of hard to stay that way for an extended period of time because the games, the beatings, just, you know, the natural brutality of the game itself and what they've been able to do. I mean, it's nothing short of really fun and really, really good hockey. Absolutely. I got the scores up. I'm going to run them down real quick before we move on. Uh, speaking of the Capitals, they beat the Columbus Blue Jackets 6-3. to um, Toronto Maple Leafs win 3-2 to over the Flyers. An overtime win for the Rangers over the Vancouver Canucks. New Jersey Devils win 4-2 to over the Calgary Flames. Um, those games already happened. The games that are live right now... Uh, 
the Chicago Blackhawks are winning three to one over the Predators at, and they're at the second intermission right now. Um, in the final period of play, Tampa Bay has a five-four lead over the Edmonton Oilers. And in the final, also in the final period of play, with about eight minutes left, Boston is winning two to one over the Canadians right now. Another team I wanted to bring up. Um, speaking of hockey, right now, uh, you know, if you were looking at the whole season, the Capitals are easily the hottest team. Um, and but if you're looking in the last ten games. Chicago's won 11 straight. The Blackhawks are on an 11-game winning streak right now. Uh, it really turned like their season around. They're now in first place in the Western Conference. They kind of had a slow start. Now they're sitting in first place, the second place in the entire um, in the entire NHL, right behind those Capitals. Playing really, really well. Winning 11 games straight in the NHL is not easy to do. Uh, very impressive what they've been able to do. Yeah, absolutely. And the one thing with the Blackhawks, as I mean, like you said, I'm not a real big hockey fan, but I do pay attention to it. I do, you know, listen to sports radio. And they always seem to be a team that during, I guess, nearing the end of the season, they're always a team that makes a run. And when they get in the playoffs, they're just something about them. What they take into the playoffs makes them such a hard team to get by. Yeah, absolutely. I feel kind of like the, the the Seahawks of this year almost, where they it was a really good team. They weren't producing and then start producing kind of in the playoffs. They're they're kind of that team where they like uh, the Spurs, another good example. Which you know the Spurs will finish in the top three, four of their division. But when playoffs starts, they're the best team, and it doesn't matter what seed they are. They're the best team in the West. You know. It seems like that happens every year that they'll finish like third, but they're the best team and as soon as the playoffs start, make no question about it. Uh, they've got a lot of playoff experience on that roster, a lot of like, really good players on that team. Um, and, they, I mean, the, the 11 wins in a row, that's hard to do. With the physicality of the sport injuries, uh, that's a very impressive mark to reach. Um, and they should be very proud of what that team's been able to do lately. Uh, we're getting towards the end of the show here. Um, we have like a couple minutes left. Uh, we covered everything I think we needed to cover there. Uh, drank a few beers in the process. Had a good time. Um, we're going to be on tomorrow night. Uh, we have the game show. It's going to be really exciting because anybody who <laughs> listens knows that I always host the game show, but this week Peter's actually going to be the host, and I'm actually going to be able to play um, next week, or this week for the first time ever. I'll be actually competing in, in our game show, the Par 4 Discourse. Very excited about that, and I already told Peter uh, when he asked me for the order that we want to go in, I told him I want to be against Amos. Wherever Amos is at, I want to be against him. Because every week that we've played, anybody who listens knows that Amos is undefeated. And he's the only person left that hasn't lost. And every week he comes prepared. You know, He does a lot of research, and those questions have a lot of uh, really great answers. And I'm excited about that. So, I'm, you know, I just... I don't want you to cry when you when you lose this weekend or this <laughs> tomorrow night. So I just want oh, to I've already, give I've, you a warning. I've already shipped a box of Kleenex to your house for you, so you'll be all right. <laughs> uh, yeah, so we, you know we'll be on same time, same place, nine p.m. 
um, right here on Dr. Monroe Radio, uh, the Power 4 Discourse Show. Uh, it's going to be me and uh, me and Rich, and Amos is actually going to be teaming up with um, Matt from the Matt and Nash Show, our sister show here on Jock Journal Radio. Uh, he'll be joining us. Looking forward to it. It's going to be a good, uh, very good show. Uh, right after this show, you're going to be listening to the Matt and Nash Show coming on right after this. Um, they go from uh, 10 to 11 Eastern Time, and then right after that, of course, you got the boys from the stretch talking baseball. Um, if you haven't checked that out and you're a baseball fan, you got to. It's a really even if you're not, really it's definitely show. worth tuning into. Yeah, I mean those guys get into sabermetrics and and you learn stuff when you like. I'm a I'm a baseball fan and I thought I knew something about baseball, but then I listened to that show and I realized that you know, it was like it was like a teaching trying to teach the internet to a cat when they were like talking. I was just like, holy. <laughs> They, you know, they start bringing out stats that I've never even heard of before. So, really great show to listen to. Those guys are really good. Of course, Matt and Nash always really good. And join us tomorrow night for the Par for Discourse show. Uh, thanks for listening tonight. That's all we have for you, folks. Good night. Well, there you have it. The boys were at it again. We hope you enjoyed tonight's broadcast. We hope you had a good night and stay right where you are. Another show is coming up. Y'all come back now, you hear? 